scripture says, love God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, and with your strength. We have nothing to be afraid of as Christians by challenges to the faith. In fact, what you taught me is we should welcome them because ultimately we are committed to truth. And if Christianity were not true, we shouldn't believe it. But as you discovered and I discovered, and we're going to walk through in the series, there is good reason to believe that Christianity is true. Well, every, t every time somebody challenges me, and I might not have the answer. I know you're amazed at that. <laughs> I might not have the answer. But, you know, I grow through that because I do my homework. I go out. I study. I research. I find the answer. And every time I grow in my faith. So I look forward to people challenging. That's why I always look forward to debates. I've done 250 debates because I love to be challenged in my faith. That's part of our hope for this series is that when you start to examine and understand the evidences, there's a confidence that comes with this. Now, part of what we're doing in this series is what the church has historically called apologetics. And it has nothing to do with apologizing or saying that you're sorry. Apologetics, the word actually comes from 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Always be ready with an answer for the hope within. Give it with gentleness and with respect. And the word answer or reason in the original Greek is apologia, apologetics. So isn't apologetics what all Christians are called to, to be ready with an answer for the hope that we have in God and the scriptures and the Christian story? Apologetics, put simple, says somebody asks you, why do you believe? The answer you give them is apologetics. It's set forth positive reasons why you believe. Somebody asks you, well, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God? Your answer is apologetics. And as the Bible says, we need to be ready all the time to give an answer for the hope that is in us, the hope about the Bible, about Christ, about the resurrection. And this is what evidence that demands a verdict can really help you do. This brings us to an interesting point because so many times people think that apologetics is this recent phenomena in the church. Now, I do think that we're in a golden age where there's more powerful arguments than there's been, but I really think Jesus was the first apologist. Look at John. He had some pretty powerful arguments. Well, he did. Now, he didn't just do arguments. He obviously healed people. He told stories. He built relationships. He asked questions. But he also reasoned with people. John chapters 5 through 8, we see Jesus pointing to the Father, pointing the testimony of Scripture, the testimony of Moses fulfilled prophecies. One of the things that he did is give evidences. We also see the same thing with Paul. It says that Paul would go and reason uh, with people from the scriptures, such as on Mars Hill. We see it throughout the rest of the New Testament. And in fact, some of the first church fathers in the second century were called apologists because they put forth a case defending Christianity. So really, apologetics is nothing new, is it? No, every generation has had its great apologists, people who God has raised up to help provide the answers and to instruct the church. And it's nothing new, except, I think as Sean said, it's much more profound today, a lot of it because of the internet. You see, 15, 20 years ago, the great intellects didn't have access to your children, uh, except maybe in the last couple of years at the university, or if they write a book, a few people would read it. Today, they have almost the same access to their children as you and I have. And as a result, because it's just one click away, some of the most profound arguments. That's why it's so necessary today to help every single believer to come to know not just what you believe, but why in the world do you believe it? 
That's the key question for today. Now you set out on your journey to disprove Christianity, really in the 50s. And you traveled around the world, you went to libraries to gather all the evidence you could against it. Ended up becoming a believer, and then you wrote Evidence Demands Verdict really in kind of the early 70s. How would you compare the evidence now with when you first started your journey and when you first wrote Evidence? Oh, now there's such an abundance of evidence. Just for example, in the scriptures. Uh, I was with one of the, probably one of the top three Greek scholars in the world, the New Testament scholars. And he made this comment to me. He said, Josh, the last 10 to 15 years, we've had an absolute tsunami of evidence on the reliability of the scriptures. As the internet has brought more challenges to the faith at the same time, it's brought a greater awareness of the incredible amount of historical evidence for the faith. So I rejoice in both being confronted with the faith and discovering the evidence for it. So what's your hope for this series that people would get out of walking through these six sessions with us exploring some of the evidence? I would think one, they'll come to realize there is evidence that Christianity is based on truth. There is evidence. And I pray out of this series, you can't get a lot out of a series like this, but it will motivate you and put something into your life that says, I want to study further. I want to know further why I believe. And this is where I think books like Evidence That Demands a Verdict can be such a help because it's all documented. I'm looking forward to exploring this evidence with you and unpacking it with you as well. Thanks for tuning in and joining us in this first session. In the next few, we're gonna to start to look at the questions. Is there such a thing as truth? Can we trust the scriptures? Did Jesus rise from the grave? We'll see you soon. <coughs>